All right, 1 Peter 5 is where we're gonna be today. 1 Peter 5, verses 12 and 13. We are closing out a series that we have been, get this, I know it's shocking, since January. We have been walking through 1 Peter. 1 Peter, if, you, if you're brand new with us, you've never been in a service before and you're like catching the tail end of this, uh, 1 Peter is a letter written by Peter, shocking, I know, um, hopefully you've assumed that, written by Peter, who was, a, who was the disciple, Peter the disciple of Jesus, who walked with Jesus, who left being a fisherman, left his nets, followed Jesus for three years, the Peter that denied Jesus before he went to cross, the Peter that was restored by Jesus after Jesus rose from the dead and said, Peter, I love you, feed my sheep. That Peter writes this letter to a group of churches primarily made up of Jews that were scattered across Asia Minor. Asia Minor was under uh, rule of the Roman Empire during this time, and these Christians are being, Jewish Christians primarily are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ as their savior. They're going through extreme circumstances, extreme persecution. And so we're, we've been walking through this letter that even though it was written to a group of Christians some 2,000 years ago, because these are the words of the Holy Spirit, they apply to us today, knowing that we've all walked through difficult circumstances in this last year, maybe right now. So what is my anchor that gives me stability when I walk through difficult things. And we have been saying this over and over again because it's what Peter says through the Holy Spirit to these people and it's what God wants us to hear since we've been in January and today and tomorrow and the next day and as long as you live, that there's something special about you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ in the sense that there's something special about anyone, everyone regardless of their faith, but if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been made different. You're different. Because God no longer sees you in your sin. He sees you through the perfection of Jesus Christ lived on your behalf. He sees you through the death of Jesus Christ for your sins, and he sees you through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So today, if you place your trust in that, God sees you as one of his kids. You're different. Not in a prideful way, not in an I'm better than you way, not in a pretentious way, but in a humble way, in a special way, in a grateful way. So what does it look like for that reality that I've been made different in Jesus Christ to be my anchor through good times and through difficult and extremely hard times? knowing that this world is not my final home. Like as good as things may be and experiences may be in this life, it is not my ultimate heaven. And as hellish as things may be in my life, there is something greater awaiting me when my life is over. So what we've been asking is how do you and I live faithfully and differently in a world that's not our home? And so what I want to do today is just literally review where we've been to hopefully jog your memory to celebrate and rejoice 
and what God has said to you as we've been walking through this book. So look at verse 12 with me. Let's close it out. 12 and 13. Peter says this, by Silvanus, it's another word for Silas. Um, you might be familiar with Silas's name if you know it all, the book of Acts, but the book of Acts is just a story of the early church. Silas was a, uh, a comrade, a companion of Paul in many of his endeavors, but Peter also had a relationship with Silas, and evidently Silas was the one who took this letter from Peter and, and literally carried it through the different churches in Asia Minor so that they could read it. And he says, by Silvanius or Silas, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this, this is what I want you to underline in your Bible. This is the, right here, true grace of God, stand firm in it. What am I supposed to stand firm in? The grace of God in my life. So just so that we don't lose sight of what we're told to do, can you say out loud that phrase with me, stand for a minute? Can we do that? Can we read God's word at the end of verse 12? You ready? Say it with me. Stand firm in it. Let's just say it one more time. Stand firm in it. In what? The grace of God. So important. It says in verse 13, she who is at Babylon, so she referring to a church at Babylon, you're like, well, if you know anything about history, like, I love this time period. I love Roman history, uh, this time period. Uh, Babylon obviously had already fallen, but Babylon is often referred to to speak of Rome. So when Peter says she who is at Babylon, he's referring to the church at Rome. See, they didn't have no First Baptist Church of Rome, First Presbyterian Church of Rome, uh, United Methodist Church of Rome. Like, they just had the church. <laughs> it's a whole nother message. Um, she who is at Babylon, the church, speaking of the church in Rome, what does he say? Who is likewise chosen, like, who is also followers of Jesus Christ and part of the church universal, sends you greetings and so does Mark, my son, Speaking of John Mark, another person mentioned in the book of Acts, greet one another with the kiss of love. I just find it interesting that we're, like that's the last verse in this letter and we're, and like, we're still kind of in COVID kind of so to speak and you're like, well, we can't practice that, right? Not that, don't get me wrong, not that I would wanna kiss any of you, um, but that is how they greeted one another. Um, I'm not sure what they do like in, you know, France right now, that's still a common, or in Italy. Like, I'm half Hispanic, so I'm familiar with that. I don't know what they do right now to, uh, to do that. Like, we shake hands and it's the fist bump, but I don't know what they do in Europe when it's like you kiss each other on both sides of the cheek. I have no idea. If you do, then talk to me afterwards. Um, I'm digressing. Can you feel it? Um, so here's the title of the message this morning. Stand firm. As you repeat it twice. We are to stand firm. That is what Peter is saying. Like when you write a conclusion, 
Like, like we got college students in here, I'm, and, and when you write papers, the conclusion is, is important. Sometimes we're like, oh man, I just want to be done with this paper, and so let me wrap it up. But actually, the conclusion is very important. The conclusion to a book is very important. The conclusion to a message, if you're listening to a sermon, is, is significant, because what are you doing? You're wrapping up everything. You're summarizing everything. And that is exactly what Peter is doing here. He is summarizing everything that he's written, and I think it's interesting that he sums it up by saying, let me remind you to stand firm in the grace of God. If I could sum up everything that I've written, it's that reality. That's what we're called to do. So here's the idea that I want you to get today. You are different. We already established that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the grace of God through Jesus is your stability in life. That's true for some of us in this room right now. Like you are going through extremely difficult things right now, but in the midst of the chaos around you, there's a sense of calm and stability. And you feel it. And other people see it. There's a significance there. Now, some of you could be here today and you're like, man, I'm not feeling that. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but just to be honest, I'm not feeling that. And so really what the Lord wants to say to you through these verses is, you're different. Like your, your um, position in Jesus isn't affected by what you feel, but you're different. And so God wants to say to you today, you're different because the grace of God through Jesus, but I want it to be your stability. Maybe it used to be, but it's not right now. You feel shaken. You feel filled with anxiety, filled with fear, maybe guilt, maybe shame, whatever it is. And so God just wants to remind you today where your stability is found. See, that word stand literally means this. It has this idea. To believe something as truth. To protect it. To build upon it. To take comfort in it. To let it give you footing. To stand in it. Understanding that when you are standing in it, you have stability so that when wind and so that when things want to come and push you over, no, 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 I have a sure foundation because I'm standing in something that's greater than myself, that's greater than that person, that's greater than that thing. And so where are you looking for that today? Let me ask it this way. Where are you standing today? You know what I found in my life? That when I'm trying to find stability in something other than my relationship with Jesus that can never be taken away, that can never be affected by circumstances. Oh, man, I've been prone to find my stability in other things. Let me tell you something. If there's one thing that has been exposed to me during 2020 
It's the things that I look to other than Jesus for stability. Man, I'm stressed out and, and I just can't wait to take that vacation. I can't just wait to get away for a couple weeks. And then what happened? Ain't nowhere to go. <laughs> or man, I love my wife to death and she loves me, but if we're looking for stability in one another and you're locked in, in a place and you really don't have anywhere to go and you're with that person all the time for 10, 12, 14 weeks, all of a sudden you start to realize, hey, I'm a sinner and so are you. Or you're like, man, if I can, you know, I'm thinking about so many high schoolers that junior and senior year, and maybe you're an athlete, and you're like, man, I, 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 I'm hoping I get this full ride or whatever, and all of a sudden, you don't have a season. And your stability was wrapped up in a hope that that would come through. I mean, we could give a million different examples. My point is, is I'm sharing with you transparently that there are times, it doesn't matter how much we know in our head about who Jesus is, there are times where our stability needs to be checked. And I think it's interesting with this church that Peter knows this, the Holy Spirit knows this, and so what he reminds them of is, let me remind you where to stand firm. It's in the grace of God through Jesus. So here's what I want to do. I just want to review quickly the things that we have walked through up to this point that Peter has shared through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit on where we can experience stability. Understand, no, God's graced us with eight specific things that Peter shares throughout this letter. And I'm just going to go through these things quickly and maybe one of them, you're like, yeah, that, I remember when we talked about that and that struck a chord with me. Because here's what we're gonna do. I'm just gonna let you know right now. We have cards and we have pens here on, the, uh, on my right, your left. At the end of our, after, when I'm done speaking, we're gonna have a response time and it's gonna give you an opportunity for you just to note, to write down, Lord, this is the thing that you convicted me of, that you challenged me, that I need to live differently in. Because I am different. I'm just going to ask you to come up to write that down if you feel led and place it in that box just as a symbol of, Lord, when your word is open, your mouth is open, this is what you're saying to me. And God, I want to respond and I want to write that down and I just want to make a memorial that Lord, you pointed this out to me and God, I wanna walk out of here and I wanna, I wanna make the change. I wanna live differently in this. And so that's what we'll do at the end of our service. Let me give you these eight things real quick. Passages of scripture are on the screen. We weren't gonna have time to read all of them, but I want them there so you can see them. And if you weren't here, maybe you can jot these things down or Stay, take screenshots as we go through. Here's the eight things. Here's the first thing. We covered this in 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5. That, man, God's graced me with a living hope. Why in the world can I experience stability in life? Man, because God has graced me with a living hope. Not a dead hope. 
Listen to me, any of those things that I mentioned, that vacation, that person, that relationship, that opportunity that you may have in the future, and praise God, it wasn't affected by what we experienced in 2020. I don't know what it was or what it is or what it will be, but I can promise you from experience, and if you've lived this, you can testify this as well, that if I'm finding my hope in that person, in that thing, whatever it is, that is a dead hope, not a living hope, because if my hope is in those things or that person, it has a lifespan. It's going to end. That vacation is going to come to a conclusion. That scholarship is going to come to a conclusion. Those grades are going to come to a conclusion. As much as I love my wife and I hope that Jesus comes back before we pass away, most of us, our lives are going to come to a conclusion. And it's not that we don't celebrate things. It's not that we don't take joy in those things. It's not that we're not thankful for those things. But listen to me. The only thing that can be what it promised to be, which is a living hope, is my relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't take it away from me because I couldn't earn it. It was given to me and it's guarded by God. It's a living hope. And that's what I preach to my present reality and my circumstances. Listen to me, I've said this before. You are the preacher you listen to more than anybody else. You got little sermons going on in your brain all the time. It definitely ain't me. And what do you preach to when you're discouraged, when you're going through a difficulty? No, no, no. Lord, I'm different. I didn't deserve it, but I'm different because of Jesus. And I have a living hope that I can preach to my present realities. Oh, when circumstances want to cause you not to trust that what God says is actually true. No, no, no. You look and you say, no, no, no. What does what Paul point or Peter point to in verses three through five? No, no, no. The reason why I have a living hope is because Jesus is risen. He lived and he died for me. I have a living hope. I have a solid foundation for living. That's the second thing that we looked at. It's another aspect of what we're to stand in that Peter is referring to. It's found in chapter two, verses four through 12. Man, I got a solid foundation. Jesus is my cornerstone. Matthew 7, 24 through 27, Jesus gives that parable of the wise man and the foolish man. What makes someone foolish and not wise? They hear the same words as the wise man, but they choose not to build their life upon what Jesus said. And so when the wind and the floods and the rain came, and they will come, that wise man's life, house, stood firm. Why? Because he just didn't hear the words of Jesus. He chose to build his life upon them. Anything in my life that I have not looked to God's word and looked to my relationship with the Lord as my foundation, I'm here to tell you it didn't last. Didn't last. Well, it may have lasted for a while, but it, it was revealed. You know it was when it was revealed? When the winds and the floods and the rain came. What Peter reminds these Christians of is you've got a solid foundation for living, and that is the grace of God in your life. Here's the third thing, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7. Some of you are like, oh, I remember that one. 
Yeah, that's when we talked about how wives and husbands relate. Yeah. But I look at that passage of Scripture and I think, wow, God, what a tremendous grace for me to experience harmony in my home. How does marriage, like how does that whole thing work interpersonally? I don't know about you, but I didn't need COVID. I didn't need 2020 to have disagreements with my spouse. I didn't need that, did you? Now I can promise you they, they came about, why? I mean, listen, I'm no, listen, if you think your preacher doesn't have disagreements with their spouse, let me just burst that bubble for you this morning. Now granted, if I stay there, then that becomes a problem. But I love, we come to a passage of scripture like this and, and literally the Lord through Peter says, here's, here's how you experience harmony in your relationship with your spouse. Husbands and wives, how do you relate to one another, love for one another, care for one another, put your needs above your own and when you do that, there's harmony. Here's the fourth thing, a model for harmony in your relationships. Some of you are like, well, I'm not married. And that's perfectly fine. There's no shame in being single. Unfortunately, we as the church have exacerbated that falsehood. But how do I, how do I relate to my friends? How do I relate to my Dating relationship, how do I relate to people at work? How do I relate to people at school? How do I relate to whoever it is? And God gives us instruction in 1 Peter 3, 8 through 17. Listen to this, let me read this one. Verse eight, finally all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Holy cow, do you want to show people that you're different? Just treat somebody like that. You don't even have to try hard in today's culture. We're just like, oh, I don't agree with you, cancel. Like, that's the only word we have today, cancel, 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 cancel. Man, if we as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, actually live out 1 Peter 3, 8 through 17 and 1 through 11, holy cow, people are gonna be like, wow, I wanna know more about what you've got. Verse nine of chapter four, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. The grace that God has given you has been given to you to steward to show to other people. Here's the fifth thing, a victorious relationship with God. Where's my stability today? Where's that sure foundation? Where's that sure footing? What do I need to believe? What do I need to protect? What do I need to stand firm in? How about a victorious relationship with God? That is the grace of God in your life that Peter mentions. You may have so many broken relationships in your life right now. This person told you that they were gonna be there for you and they lied. You thought that this relationship was gonna last for your life and it's broken. 
and you are in the midst and thinking, man, I can't trust anybody and I can't trust God because I can't trust anybody. Why would God allow these things? But then I look at this passage of scripture and I've felt that way before too, just to let you know. And I gotta bring myself back to, no, 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 what do I need to stand firm in? I stand firm in. As 1 Peter 3, 18 through 22 says, no, no, Christ suffered for my sins. The righteous, that's him. For the unrighteous, that's me. That he might bring us, bring me to God. There was nothing that I could do that God would accept me because I'm a sinner and he's holy. So what did Jesus do? He brought me to God. And then it mentions that Jesus did that through his resurrection, verse 22. He's gone into heaven and he's at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and having powers, having been subjected to him. In other words, Jesus is victorious. And because he's victorious, that means your relationship with him can't be broken. How awesome is that? That's why our stability is found in The Lord, through Jesus Christ, that's why Peter says, stand firm in this. Here's the sixth thing that we looked at that God has graced us with so we can experience stability. How about his, Jesus' example when we experience suffering? Listen, we're all gonna suffer. And we're all gonna suffer because we live in a sinful world. Like natural catastrophes occur because we have a broken world. Disease and cancer and things like that exist because we live in a broken world. Pain exists because we live in a broken world. Suffering exists because my sin can cause you to suffer and yours can cause me to suffer. We're going to experience suffering in this world, but how do we endure it? Well, we look to how Jesus endured it. Look at what it says in verse 12 through 19 of chapter 4. It says, Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. In other words, I'm like, man, how do I endure this? Well, let me look at how Jesus did it. He spent time with the Father every day. He prayed to him. He took his burdens to him. Here's the seventh thing. Got two more. And I can experience stability in life because Jesus has graced me with a plan and a process to exercise humility in the church. Remember that passage a couple weeks ago in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5, where he gives instruction on how leadership in the church is to lead and how people that are a part of that church are to follow? He says in verse five, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Here's what I've found in life. When pride in me is at the center of what I do, it never succeeds. It's short-lived at best. But when I exercise humility, Because one of the key aspects that makes up humility is teachability. Which means I'm never gonna arrive on this side of heaven where I'm like, yeah, I already know how to do that. 
Yeah, I'm already awesome at that. Thanks, thanks for sharing that with me. I hope that works for you. I'm already awesome. It's not a reality. And it says that God opposes the proud. God is against what you want to do if it's motivated by pride. But man, there is tremendous grace for the humble. You know what that tells me? You know what that infers? I'm not always going to get it right. I may not desire to, but I'm going to fall and I'm going to sin. But man, when I come to the Lord, I say, Lord, I'm sorry for going a different way than the way that your word and your will instructs me to. God, would you forgive me? What does it say? Man, there's tremendous grace for the humble. I'm never too far away from God's long arm of grace. And that even applies to leaders who are leading in the church and people that make it up. And then the last thing, we talked about this last week. I was transparent in saying if there's one passage of scripture that God has been just working me over on, it's 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 11. And just to let you know, I don't anticipate that ever ending. Why? Because it says this, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. Remember we talked about God's mighty hand. Do I see it as a fist or do I see it as an outstretched hand? God wants us to see it as an outstretched hand. That's why he says, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Some of us have been, have been choosing to stand in our fear and anxiety. And you know it's not a sure foundation, but you just for some reason are like, I, I just, I just want to be in it. Some of you are so ridden with shame because of something that happened in the past. And the Lord's saying, no, 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 no. You cast that on me. Why? Because I care for you. I'm stretching out my hand. Would you take it so I can pull you out and place you on the person who has forgiven that? Maybe you're running from the Lord. And in your running you're finding that the terrain that you are facing is anything but a sure footing. That is God in his grace saying, I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. See, God's given us a plan and a process to exercise humility in our life because that's where God's grace is found. It takes humility to say, Lord, I'm gonna stand in my relationship with the Lord, not in my strengths, not in my giftings, not in my aspirations, not in any of those things, though there may be nothing wrong with those, but if I'm standing on those rather than my relationship with the Lord, it's not a sure footing. So what is it? What is it that God is saying to you and saying, no, 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 it's time to make a decision. It's time to say, no longer, not anymore. I'm not doing that. I'm not thinking that. I'm not going there. I'm not going to live in that. No, no, no. I am different because of Jesus Christ, and I am going to live differently in this. Man, let's do business with the Lord today. Let's just take time right now and 
however you want to, maybe you want to bow your head, close your eyes, whatever it is. And I just want you to say, Lord, where are you calling me to live differently? And when we start singing, you can come up and you can grab one of those cards. You can write it down. If you want to use your own pen, that's, you're more than able to do that. But place it in the box. Here's what I did. I took two cards. Because I took one to drop in that box and I took another one to keep in my Bible so that I would be reminded of what the Lord said to me as we walked through this letter of 1 Peter. Man, let's, let's just celebrate. Let's memorialize this moment and what God has said to us either today or sometime since January. God, we're here today to reflect celebrate to make a decision to change God would you help us to be obedient to what you say to us in Jesus name let me say this too I know Mark's one of our pastors he's going to be up front I'm going to ask him to be up front I'm going to be over here on the other side man if you need prayer and just like man I just need prayer to stand firm then we would love to pray for you Maybe that's what God wants you to do. And let's be obedient to whatever the Lord says today. Would you stand with me this morning?